Welcome to the Soul Health Mentor Podcast with Nadia Kraus. Learn how to move your awareness out of your mind and into your heart so you can embody your divinity, experience joyous peace of mind, and create your most vibrant life by opening to receive your soul's sacred medicine. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Soul Health Mentor Pod. Today I am super excited. Very, very grateful that I get to interview Jill McLennan, a death doula. We're going to talk about out of your mind and into your heart wisdom all around death, dying, and grieving. It is such an important topic to talk about, and I just can't wait to dive in. Hello, Jill. It's so wonderful to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's really my pleasure. I'm super excited about this. Yes, this is such important work. And I'll start with the first thing that I notice around even the word death doula. I said to my husband, Eric, I'm so excited. I get to interview a death doula today. And he was like, what? What's that? So how would you describe that terminology? Yeah, that's probably, you know, now when I meet people still nine times out of 10, when I say I'm a death doula, I get that same response. You're a what? (laughs) So, yeah. And so it, you know, death doulas have essentially been around as long as humans have been around in the sense that it was usually women uh, that would be the person in the community that would help bring babies into this world and then help souls leave the world at the end of life. And really, you know, we eventually got away from all of that. Everything got very medicalized. So now, you know, you're hooked up to machines and you're in the hospital and, you know, everything's about prolonging life as long as possible. And so death doulas are now starting to become something that people are training to become in order to help us transition from this life into, you know, whatever it is people believe. I mean, I believe that our soul goes on. I don't know exactly where it goes, but I believe our soul does go on. And so it's a non-medical person that really helps you transition from this life to the next life. And every death doula does it a little bit differently. You know, all of us have had some type of training, uh, but what we focus on tends to be a little bit different. The tools that we use tend to be a little bit different. And so really, you know, if you meet another death doula or if you talk to another death doula, they're probably going to be different than me. But in the long run, the thing that we all have in common is this non-medical care of helping care for people at the end of life. Yes. So what I'm hearing, and you correct me (laughs) if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing is that there's this wisdom that has actually always been around, but forgotten. And now it's finding a re like a rebirth. Would that be correct? Yes. I would say that is 100% true because I think, like you said, it's this wisdom that I'm 43 now. I think since I was a child, I knew that I was supposed to be doing this work. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know what it was. There was not, you know, any examples in my community. If anything, I was sheltered from death. Nobody talked about it. I wasn't allowed to see it. Um, And so 
when I heard the term death doula uh, in the summer of 2019, it was on a podcast. And as soon as I heard it, it was like part of me lit up. I just, I felt it in my body. And I was like, that is it, that that's, that's me. That's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I think there's a lot of us that really will gravitate towards this work um, if given the ability, if even, you know, that people even knew that it was something that we could be doing. I think there's probably hopefully people listening to your podcast that are going to hear it and have that same reaction that I had, which is, that's it. That's what I need to do. I love that you shared that because that was literally a visceral experience you had in your body that I actually refer to. It's like a soul desire just ignites. Yes. Very I, much. Love, I love that you shared that. Yes. Cause it's a, this visceral response where your soul it's that out of your mind and into your heart wisdom. It's something you can't explain because it's not your mind that is giving you the visceral experience. It's literally your soul, but we come to the worldly things, right? So now you were inspired to, to do this, but what actually empowered you to go through with it? Yeah. Cause if anything, my, my mind definitely got in the way. I had all the stories of, you know, you're 40 something years old, like, you have a job, you have a job that you actually love. Like, what are you thinking that you, that this is what you want to do? Um, and I really almost fought with myself over it because part of my soul, my being was like, Jill, you need to do this. And then my mind was like, you're crazy. Don't even think about it. Um, and then in December of 2019, I had an experience that really triggered in me basically like an ego death. It was a moment where I was really bringing up a lot of my shadows and a lot of parts of myself were being triggered by an external experience. And rather than pushing it all down, like I used to do, I just allowed it to happen. And I felt it in my chest. It was like my heart chakra ripped open and there was just like, it felt like something was like pouring out all of this negative, heavy, like dense stuff I'd been holding potentially all of my life, even from past lives. Um, and during that time, I remember thinking, I physically feel this, like, am I dying? Is something wrong? Am I going to, and I just kept talking to myself and I was like, Jill, you're fine. You're not going to die. Like it's okay. And I practiced my breathing exercises and I really kept calming myself. And then at one point I even was kind of like, all right, worst comes to worst. Even if you do die, oh, well, we all have to die at some point. It's okay. And I woke up the next morning and I felt like a different person. I really was just like, I don't know what that was. I don't really care exactly what it was but it allowed me to just let go of the fear and the stories and all of the stuff that was like stopping me from going after this like new thing that had been woken up. Um, and that was the month I started researching how to become a death doula. I started looking for training programs. Um, by February of 2020, I had um, found a mentor actually in California. I'm in New Jersey. And I signed up for an online um, college course. And I was like, you know what, if it takes me a couple years because I was working full time and I had two kids, I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter if it takes a few years, like it's fine. I just wanna start now, like it just felt right. 
And then of course with COVID, then the whole world kind of stopped. And by the time that I got through all my training, because I was working from home and I had a lot more time to do my trainings for my death doula, um, I was able to get my business up and running by July of 2020. It just like it happened so quickly, but it just, it feels right. Like it feels like part of me is like, thank you. Like, this is it. This is what you're supposed to be here to do is to help people heal and be able to really get that deep soul healing so that when we die at the end of this life, we can die in a place of completely letting go of all the attachments that we had in this lifetime and be able to move on free, essentially. Absolutely. Wow. What I'm hearing is that you, you even had to go through a type of death to be able to address the topic of dying and grieving. So that is mind blowing because how are you going to ever change and transform if you're scared of an identity death? So it's not just that we need it at the end of the life to, to have a better experience in living by having a better relationship to, to dying, but we also, we need it to change. We just, it, we really need to have a good relationship with death, dying and grieving. So tell me, how would you talk to someone that has never thought about it, that is really, really scared talking about death and dying and grieving? How would you begin Usually when I'm first beginning conversations with people um, that they're really afraid of dying, they're afraid of death, they don't even want to say the word or have the conversation, I really try to start it off by asking a lot of questions, almost to allow them to come up with the reason why on their own. Even though I can tell them, it's usually because we're totally sheltered from death and dying. You know, we're taught that it's almost a dirty word to say it. You know, we say somebody passed away or like we come up with all these other things. Like I can tell them all of that, but really I find that if I can ask questions and get them to gently probe into the reasoning on their own, they're a little bit more receptive. And often I remind them over and over and over to be gentle with yourself. You know, like I find that sometimes we're so hard on ourselves of like, well, I shouldn't feel this way. And why? And no, just be gentle, be kind, be compassionate to yourself. You know, especially if this is something that you've avoided your entire life, it's going to feel a little uncomfortable. And I really love having the conversations. And most of the time when I talk to people, you know, it's really very flattering. Um, A lot of times they'll say like, oh, this isn't scary. Like I thought talking about this stuff would be scary, but you're very comforting to talk to. And I'm like, well, that's kind of the point is like, I don't want it to be scary. I don't want it to be morbid. I want it to feel like something that is going to help us grow and be able to really enjoy our lives here you know, no matter how long it is, whether I die tomorrow or whether I die in 50 years, the more that I learned about death and dying and faced my own fears and beliefs around it, the more that I'm really able to be fully present, appreciate life, 
you know, really be more patient and kind and gentle to all humans. Um, but especially for me, it's most meaningful that I'm kinder and more patient with my family, my children and my husband, because I know that in the long run, we're all going to die. And so I really want to be in the moment with them. And I want to really help other people understand that. And so I try to very gently bring them into these conversations and then also, you know, not force it. If somebody's really shutting down around it, then like, awesome, let's talk about flowers. That's fine with me too. So, <laughs> but on this podcast, we don't just talk about flowers. We talk about out of your mind and into your heart wisdom. So I'd be really, really curious. And I'm asking this for the listeners as well. Would you share four questions that can help us ponder on dying and death and grieving? Yeah, I think probably one of the things that helped me the most was asking myself, because at first, you know, when I started learning about, you know, all of these things with my training, I wasn't the type of person that was afraid of dying. I was, I don't know, I, again, I was always kind of attracted to this world ever since I was a child but I still had some of those things in there. And so one of the things that really helped me was wondering what grief I had that I was holding in my body that I hadn't processed. And so as I started thinking about it, even, you know, the death of who I thought I was, we still need to grieve those things. You know, um, for me, the biggest one was I had never really gone through the process of grieving my grandfather who died when I was four years old. And once I was able to process some of that grief, I found that some of my fears and anxieties about losing my family was able to just kind of like soften a little bit. Um, and you know, again, what was your upbringing, you know, whether it was religion or just your community around you? Um, what was your experience with death as, you know, a child, as a teenager? Um, a lot of us are very sheltered from it. You know, again, with my grandfather, I was very close to him. I helped take care of him at the end of his life. Even at four years old, I would push him around the house in his wheelchair and I would help feed him and I would do all that stuff. And then all of a sudden he was gone. It was like, he was there and then he was gone and I wasn't allowed to go to the funeral. Nobody talked to me about it. And I just kind of like held all that in. But then as I got older, even, you know, as people were dying, then it's almost like a shock because you're like, wait, what, what happened to them? You know, it's like you find out in your teens and in your twenties that like this type of thing happens and it can really be a shock to your system. So what do we want to do? We want to push that down. We want to close it down. We want to not think about it. So really kind of asking yourself, you know, what was my first experience with death? When was the first time I really, you know, learned about it? When was the first time that I was up close and personal with it? If you were ever up close and personal with it, because again, a lot of us really aren't. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things too is, you know, society essentially, you know, especially in America, we're really obsessed with like, dying, violent movies and entertainment, right? So like, how did that impact our ideas of death and dying? You know, like we are taught all of these things by um, society and what they think 
is, you know, the, it's, a, it's again, it's like an entertainment, but it's this weird like obsession, like fascination that we have. So like, where did you get some of your beliefs? Is it from entertainment? You know, where does it come from? Really just like peeling off the layers, almost like an onion seems to be a really good way of kind of doing this work of just very gently, you know, asking yourself why I believe what I believe, what was my experience? Um, what did I want my experience to be, you know? And if you haven't really been near somebody that was close to you that died, what are you most afraid of mm -hmm. when it comes to somebody dying that you're close to? Are you afraid of them suffering? Are you afraid of the unknown? Are you afraid of not being prepared? Like what fears do you really have? Because once we can kind of start thinking about it, then you can really dig into it a little bit and really find out what the truth is behind those fears. And then we can really address it and help heal it so that when you have that experience, because we're all going to, I mean, unless we die first, we're going to lose people that are very close to us. And if we're not prepared for it, that's when it can be very scary and overwhelming, where if we kind of start thinking about these things and asking ourselves these questions, we're really going to be better prepared for it when it happens. Yes. So the four questions I heard were, and they were very good, asking yourself if you're holding some type of grief in your body, or it could even be an experience, because I can relate to it. Sometimes we have to grieve our losses. That was the part of grieving an identity, grieving our losses. So what grief are you holding in your body or in your memory even? That is really, really good question. I also really love the question about culture. What did your culture, because I'm from Germany originally, and I'm, yes, there's definitely a completely relation, um, different relationship to violence in, German than in Germany than in the States. It's very, very different. And so that's a really good question. And I love how you said that if you ask these hard questions now, that at the end of someone's life, either your own life or someone's life, you can have a better experience and be more present. Yes. And I love that you said that because now I forgot the fourth question, but that's okay. <laughs> I was going through my mind what, what really touched me as you shared, but that's okay. It'll come back. What I love about the end of life clarity is that if we have a good relationship with death, then we can actually find a very healing presence in being there with someone dying. That is something that I find very hard to explain to people. And I would love to know how, how you invite into that presence of healing at the end of life. Yeah, I really think that the end of life can be a beautiful spiritual experience for anybody that is, you know, with someone that they love that is dying. I feel like it's such a special moment for us to be able to share that with somebody that we love. And, you know, there is a lot of things that the physical body will go through 
at the end of life, right? That's just kind of across the board. If you're dying a more natural death in that, like, it's not like an accident and you have a sudden death, but like, you know, if you're sick or, you know, you're aging, whatever it is, and you're going through this natural death, your body is going to go through different processes, but it's not just the body, the person's soul, and even the person's mind are really going through a lot of different experiences. And if we can be with somebody and really try to fully be present, you know, calm, quiet, our minds really do that, you know, from your mind into your heart and really just connect with the person, you can have a really beautiful and special experience that can be healing for you and them, you know, think about how most of us really have almost like unfinished business with a lot of people in our lives. And so a lot of cases, I think when people are holding on, whether they're the ones that are dying or whether it's the person that's losing somebody, you know, we're holding on, we're not willing to let go because we feel like it's just not time yet. Like I need more time. I need to say these things. I need to be able to clear the air over these things. I think you can still do that if you can really calm and quiet and be present with that person and, you know, touching, if you can touch their hands, touch their arm, connect with them. You can still talk to them, even if they're nonverbal, if you want to talk and thank somebody for the experiences that you had with them, apologize for something, they can still hear you, even though they can't necessarily verbally respond they can still hear you. And it's really just a time that I think if we could really lose our fears around it, be better prepared for what the physical body may be going through so that we're not freaked out and upset and like worried that they're uncomfortable or something's wrong and really just be fully present with the moment. It can just be one of the most beautiful experiences in life that we can have. Yes. Ah, oh, this is such an important topic to talk about. And what I heard you share there is that the death experience, if we are present and if we go literally quiet the mind out of your mind and into your heart, what lives in the heart, love lives in the heart. What lives in the heart in the present moment, peace lives in the heart. What I find so important is that as the ones getting left behind, there can be a very self-centered behavior because we're losing someone that is really dear to our heart. But if we come out of our mind and into our heart and come into love, then if we're honest with ourselves, we want the one that we're losing to have a peaceful transition. That's how I view it. What, what do you say about that? Yeah, I think we all wanna have a peaceful transition and I know, you know, that's what I want for the people I love. And it's hard because again, my mind immediately, even just saying that out loud goes right to my husband and my children. And I go, but please don't let it happen anytime soon. Please don't let it. It's like, you know, the mind really goes there, but then in my heart and in my soul and in my entire being, the rest of me is like, you can't control it even if it does happen sooner than you want. And 
I really just want whatever it is, whenever it is that it happens, I want them to be peaceful and feel loved, you know, like that's really the thing. Like you said, it's, it's really about going into the heart where the love is that I want the people around me to understand how much they were loved so that when they're dying, that's what's on their mind. You know, that's what they're feeling as well in their soul and in their body is this feeling of love, not us holding on and clinging and scared and afraid. And I think sometimes, you know, especially when you're at the end of life, you're basically, you know, in between two worlds, like part of them is already transitioning into the spirit world. So they're really in touch with everything that's happening around them, less on the physical level, because they're already starting to detach from their bodies. So they're going to feel more of what we're feeling. And in some cases, if we're fully present, we're going to also feel some of what they're feeling uh, because it's just a different place that we're meeting people when it's the end of life. And yeah, I mean, we want our people that we love to die and feel loved and at peace. Yes. Oh, so wonderful. So let our listeners know where they can find you. So my business name is End of Life Clarity. Um, it's the same, whether it's my website, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all, all the stuff. Um, but I also do have a Facebook group. Uh, it's called End of Life Clarity Circle, um, where I basically have these conversations. I ask a lot of questions and just listen to what people say. And we really have beautiful conversations around death and dying and grief, but also life. You know, like I'll ask different things that aren't necessarily about death and dying, but have to do with life because it really, you can't separate one from the other. Um, and people are always welcome to reach out to me, you know, on any of the social media or, you know, send me an email. My email's on my website as well. Um, if anybody has any questions or just wants to know, you know, potentially how I can help them out a little bit more because I do work with people in person, but I also do a lot of work virtually now um, working around our fears, our anxieties. I support people through grief. I support people while they're essentially watching one of their loved ones die. I can help support them through that process as well. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here today on Soul Health Mentor Pod and sharing this important work. And it is my hope that this, basically this, in German, they use the word taboo tema, which means nobody talks about it. So I hope that that can change. People can hopefully find courage to face their grief, to face death and to face dying. Thank you so much for being here today, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. It was a beautiful conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Soul Health Mentor Podcast with Nadia Kraus. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are playing. 